Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Brett Jones. Brett, how are you today, sir? Fabulous. Uh, Just enjoying what might be the beginning of spring in Pittsburgh. There you go. Same thing here in Boston. It's it's a a beautiful day. Um, Drew said he's going to go for a run in the woods, and that's my youngest for those of you that are listening. So uh, if we hear screams um, and I have to, you know, jump off, Um, I'm going to have to go tend to that, but he's usually uh, pretty good. He'll just come back covered in mud. So um, you know what? It's good for him. He'll uh, he'll deal with it Um, anyways. So today we're going to talk about um, the training industry in general, but let's say you take a certification, whether it's uh, an FMS certification or a strong for a certification, you get, you get through that weekend, you pass, you're all fired up. You are just ready to roll with that new information. You're excited. And then how do you apply that new information uh, to your clients? Because a lot of people want to take it right away and they want to give everybody all the cool things that they've learned. And we get it. We understand the excitement and we've been there. But at the same time, we're going to talk about some ways that you can slowly implement, implement those new found skills so you can make a positive impact with your clients and your students, but at the same time, not overwhelm them with all of these cool things that, um, that you've learned. And you know, our background is, uh, you know, I met Brett a long time ago and, and we both are, uh, lead instructors with, with functional movement systems and Brett as the director of education for strong first. And I'm a senior. Um, we, we get this question all the time. We get a lot of people wondering what's next. So we're going to talk about that because, um, it's a common question that we get at the end of courses and certifications. So, uh, so Brett, what, What's when you're, when you're teaching for, for, for strong first or for FMS, um, you know, what would you say is, uh, the most important thing? And I know we're going to get pretty deep on this stuff, but what would you say is the most important thing that people should remember after they finish that certification? It's a starting point. It's, it, it's purely that you just got exposed to a volume of information, drinking from a fire hose over a one, two, three day period, uh, you just heard this information. And this is where, you know, I get the, the, and the, when we were talking about, what are we going to talk about today before the podcast? Uh, the most common question I get before, uh, after any workshop cert that I take is what's next? What, what do you recommend I do next? And I'm like, you just heard this. <laughs> I think, I think you should probably go practice this for a while and see what other questions develop, see what other you know things you learn in the process of actually taking in this information. You know, I have such a command of what we do in Strong First and in FMS because I've been A, doing it for a really long time and B, I've been applying it for a really long time and C, I've been teaching it for a really long time. So, you know, I, I have a flow and familiarity and command of the information because I've 
I've learned it. I've applied it. I've taught it. Um, the medical model, see one, do one, teach one. You know, you just saw one. Now you need to go do one. And then you need to go teach one. And of course, that's simplified and, and boiled down. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a much longer process. I hope you do the thing you just learned more than once before you try to teach it to someone else. But yeah, I mean, just, just realize that at the end of whatever weekend you just finished, you just started. You just saw the information. Absolutely. And um, you got to put the time in. And there is no substitute for time and experience. You can, you can hack your way through as many things as you want. And, and don't get me wrong, you can learn from others, but there is no substitute for just getting your hands and your feet uh, you know, dirty and then getting in there and just getting it done. Um, and I understand because if you go to more specifically a strong first event, it's a, for a lot of people, it is a life changing weekend. It's an impactful weekend. And, and, and honestly, when I took my RKC a long time ago and, and oh wait with you, it was literally a career changing weekend for me. And I was excited. And I remember getting done with my level one passing and then being like, I'm on to level two. Um, and, uh, through your advice and, and just me trying to slow down a little bit, I finally said, you know what? Yes, I'm going to do level two. And, and at that point I had CKFMS on my radar as well, but I'm like, I spent two years before I got my, my level two certification because I passed, but just because I had passed, doesn't mean that I knew how to teach. And that is something that I'm still learning. I'm still doing this stuff. I mean, when we got together not too long ago, you were helping me with my swings. I mean, listen, everybody needs another set of eyes because um, we, we can often get complacent and we think we're really good at something. But then when we get exposed to other people giving us feedback that are professionals, um, we, we, we can miss some things. So, um, you know, take the time absolutely to, to learn those skills and be able to teach those skills to multiple people, because let's say you take a certification and I'll be honest with you. When I took the certification in 08, I was a pretty athletic guy. Um, I got through it. Um, you know, did I do amazing? No, but I passed and I, and I did what I had to do to pass, but it was more based on my overall athleticism and the fact that I came into it pretty strong and pretty fit. So the physical component was not hard for me. And I could, I could just literally work my way and will my way through it. But that didn't mean that I could teach a 50 year old client how to swing. That didn't mean I could teach um, a brand new individual with mobility restrictions or injuries, how to do a getup or a partial getup. So for me, I wanted to make sure that um, if, if I was going to go teach this, that I got exposed. And that's when I just started training as many people as possible. And that was what really actually allowed me to become a little bit more proficient in teaching kettlebells. And I was, you know, sort of one of the kettlebell guys early on in the Boston area. There's a handful of us that got certified fairly early, but I just trained as many people as possible because I fell in love with it. But at the same time, I needed that experience, um, teaching. And still to this day, I, I teach new people, uh, various skills when it comes to kettlebells. And, um, I still learn when I teach. And, and I think the beauty of it is when you, when you acquire that skill early on, you want to share, right? You want to share that information because you're excited, but at the same time, you've got to be smart because just because you can do it doesn't mean everyone else can, and you're going to stumble. You're going to make some mistakes, but as long as you understand that it's a step-by-step -step approach to learning and a step-by-step -step approach to teaching, you're going to do all right. So it's important to slow down and, and, and learn and, and make those little small mistakes. I'm not talking about massive failures where someone injures themselves, but hopefully if you teach someone how to do a swing 
or a deadlift, you're going to leave that session going, Hmm, I could have done that better. Or maybe that didn't work next time. I'm going to try this. And you should constantly be critiquing yourself and aware of what you can do better. And that's hard to do because I think a lot of people, when they get a certification, they're like, I'm this, I'm that I'm so good at this. It's like, no, you're, you're just starting, man. And, and it's okay to be confident in your abilities, but at the same time, be aware of what you really are capable of, because, um, um, let's just say I've seen a lot of people learn from others and I look at their technique and I look at their form and I'm like, who did you learn from? So, you, you know, it's, uh, just remember that whoever you teach and, um, they are a product of your they are your students. So if they come out and their, their form stinks, their technique stinks it's kind of on you, right? Because you didn't do a great job at the beginning. So slow down, take your time and just put the work in and be patient. And eventually good things will happen. Well, and here's the bitter pill that nobody wants to. And, and I, as Mike knows, I am not afraid of providing bitter pills, uh, to people. Um, I expect 30% retention of what somebody experiences over a, a workshop and certification weekend. Just being brutally honest, I expect if somebody gets to 50% retention of what was given to them in a course of a two to three day uh, certification, uh, they did really, really well. And I know this for multiple reasons. I know this because people come back and take the same workshop. And I can remember one of our instructors uh, was um, actually watching a video of a workshop that I had taught and had turned away to go, you know, grab a drink or snack or whatever. And here's the TV and goes, I must have gone to the bathroom during that time. I don't remember saying that. I don't remember hearing that. He turns around to the TV and he is sitting on the front row. Like the camera's <laughs> focused on him while I'm saying this. And he's like, oh. I just missed it. Mm -hmm. So that I, and, and nobody wants to hear that, right? You think you go, you hear it, you do the practice sessions and you obviously took in everything that was provided to you over the course of that weekend. No, it didn't happen. 30% uh, retention. Uh, you need multiple exposures to the information you need to go read. The manual, you, you need to practice the things that were, were learned, especially if specific corrections were given to you. You need to take, take those to heart, go practice that. Um, it takes multiple exposures. Um, I, and I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much experience you have. When you get exposed to a volume of information, and this is where uh, you know people have this desire, they want to go. They want to learn it all in a day or learn it all in a weekend. Um, our certification within Strong First, you go to level one, you're going to learn six basic exercises. We're not teaching you. I've taken other certs where you learn 150 exercises and you can't remember any of them, but you're sore the next day. So you think, oh, that was pretty good. That's, that's not learning. That's, uh, that's, that's somebody that was intent on proving a point. So realize that one of the reasons we want you to slow down, we want you to go home and practice is you're going to retain 30% of the information that you got exposed to. So go do this, go practice this, get another exposure. Hopefully 
you know, maybe you're there with a group of colleagues, maybe you're there and you, you meet somebody there, you're actually networking and meeting other people, shocker. And, you know, develop a relationship with that person to where you're actually practicing materials that you just were exposed to. That's going to take your practice, your effectiveness, your ability to actually take in the information to another level. And that's critical. And where I would go, you know, past that is because, as I said earlier, the, the question is, what's next? What do I do next? I'm like, okay, what do you, what do your clients need? What do your students need? What are you running into as like the most common question? Are you a person that's gotten start got gotten started in a town where baseball's big? And so you're starting to get a bunch of kids that uh, are interested in training specifically for baseball. Well, on base university, Eric Cressy, like there's a couple of places that I would direct you to. If you're getting a lot of kids that want to play baseball, there's a couple of places that do that really well and have that specific information. If you're ending up training a bunch of hockey players, there's people that do hockey specific training. They're going to be able to kind of leap you forward on what you should be focusing on within that group. Maybe you are getting a lot of people that have low back pain. Then you need to develop the relationship with that clinician and, and have that referral system built in. But maybe, maybe you do need more information on how you can work within a rehabilitative process, work with a clinician, uh, be assistive in the process, or at least know what to avoid. Maybe you're getting a lot of uh, a female clientele. Pre and postnatal training might be something that you need a lot more information on. There's groups that do that. So, you know, um, what, do your, what do your clients and students need? Where, where do you feel like you could serve them better? And go seek information uh, in that and let that direct your next continuing ed thing. But then take time to actually learn the information, re remembering that you're only retaining eh, 30% of what you were exposed to. Yeah. And, 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 I, and, and in addition to that, I would say when you go to these certifications, whether it's obviously with us with Strong First and FMS, and I've taken multiple certifications as well, um, try to step back and understand the principles behind what is actually being taught, not just the fancy, cool exercises and the various methods. Um, because principles stand the test of time um, and various methods, depending on what your skill set is, will essentially allow you to potentially, you know, get to fix the issue or problem solve a little bit faster, but you have to understand what those principles are. And, and, you know, I know right now we're sort of uh, talking more along the kettlebell um, uh, certifications, but understand, um, you know, why creating tension is important. Understand why relaxation is important. Understand, um, how to teach those various skills to various individuals based off of their, uh, their mileage, their anthropometry, uh, their skill set, their patients, their, their work-life stress. I mean, these are the things that, um, that make you a really, really good coach. It's not the fact that you can take a bunch of drills from a manual and repeat them to other people. That's cool. That's a great place to start. And that's how we all do it. But eventually remember you are dealing with uh, an individual and you're not, individuals don't come with manuals. So there's going to be, 
um, there's going to be some bumps in those roads and you have to be able to, to, to look at that situation and go, you know what, I was supposed to teach someone a hip hinge to a wall and then a kettlebell deadlift and then a plank and it didn't work. Well, guess what? That's going to happen a lot. Now for some people, you'll be able to get them swinging in 25 minutes. Other people, they can't touch their toes. They've got low back pain. Um, you know, they move like the tin man, guess what? They wanted to learn kettlebells, but you know, asking them to start doing a ballistic movement when they move really, really poorly may not be, um, the, uh, the best way to go initially, not saying that you can't get there. And, and I remember early on, I had one individual, he's like, I want to learn kettlebells. And this guy could not move. I mean, he couldn't, he could barely squat. He could barely move. He couldn't tie his shoes. He was, you know, walking around making noise. And this guy's like, I want to learn how to do kettlebells because it'll be good for my back. And I'm like, Hey, bud, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I know you came to me to learn how to swing a kettlebell and, and we can get there. But if I just start teaching you how to swing right now without cleaning some movement up, you know, you're, you're not going to be doing so well. So it's the, it's the individuality and, and having the ability to, to take the information that you've learned and teach it to a, a variety of people. That's when you start to develop, um, you know, the, the skills to train more and more individuals. And I use the toolbox analogy. When you start training people, you'll, you only have a couple tools in your toolbox. And as you gain more experience, you can add more tools into that toolbox. And then, you know, I've been doing this for a pretty long time and you've been doing it even longer. You've probably got 20 different ways to get someone to hinge, but a newbie may have two. So that's the difference, right? That's the ability to take that individual in front of you and give them what they currently need based off of your skill set and your experience. And you, there's no way you can do that in three days. You just cannot, you need to practice. You need to put the time in and you need to be diligent and you need to be self-aware and you need to, you need to get feedback because guess what? If you always think that you are the smartest person alive, guess what? It's not going to go so well. Insert joke about me, uh, at, <laughs> at that point. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, the, the what's next conversation, what do you do? Um, Cause, and the, I've talked a bit about this at, at workshops for a long time, because you do, you go, you're excited, you've had an impactful weekend and you go home and you start with your first client 6am Monday morning. Uh, and you just want to vomit all of the knowledge that you were given over the weekend. Try to avoid that. It's going to be overwhelming to the client. Uh, it's going to muddle the message. It's going to make things more difficult to get accomplished. Um, pick something that that client needs to, that student needs to improve on and, you know, pull a, pull one of your new tools out of the toolbox and, and start trying it. Uh, but, you know, try it on yourself, try it on some clients that you've been working with that, that already have a base. And, you know, I've, I've, I think we both had the experience of people coming through who, we're already using a particular tool, let's call it a kettlebell, uh, with their, uh, their clients already, even though they hadn't received any specific training in how to coach that tool. And they realize they're going to have to go back home and change a lot of things. Okay. Just be open about it. I think people, were, people are so afraid to be vulnerable. And uh, coaches and, and experts are afraid to say, well, I didn't know that, but I know it now. And, and we actually need to approach this in a different way. Like be vulnerable, be open. Um, the person who's learning from you is going to be way more impressed by that than you either rejecting the new knowledge because it goes in contrast with you're, you're afraid of having to make those changes. 
with the people that you're working with. Um, so just, just be vulnerable, be open, uh, put things into practice. We're all just learning. Um, and in the end, we are just teaching people how to swing a hunk of iron. Um, you know, just, it's, it should be fun. Absolutely. And, and as a coach, you know, be curious and, and, and that's something that I think a lot of people, once they get to a certain point in their career, they stop looking at other people because they think they have the answers. And, um, I'll be honest, man, I, I, there's, there's a, there's so many people that I follow that I'm always like, man, like I just, I'm always trying to learn from other people because there are people that are so much smarter than I. And, um, it's not that I want to emulate their career. I want to be them, but shoot, if there's someone that's really good at like energy system development, guys like Joel Jameson, Carmen Bach, Alex Viata, these people are way smarter than I'll ever be on this stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to buy their information and I'm going to learn from them, maybe not directly, but it's okay. Like it's okay to look around and find the different people that, um, that you sort of, um, you enjoy their content, but you, you want to sort of learn from their skill set, And that's a beautiful thing because, um, it's all about learning. And if you're a coach and you think, you know, it all, guess what you do not. So always just continue to learn. And going back to what you said, Brett, um, about, you know, that Monday morning client, um, here's another thing to consider. If, if you are a successful personal trainer and, and let's just say you have a book of business, you're, you're happy, your clients are happy. We'll call that a successful personal trainer, right? What you don't want to do is go in on Monday morning and completely overhaul every single thing that you've done. Because what does that say? That says, oh man, maybe my old stuff wasn't good. But here's the scoop. If you were successful prior to any certification that you've taken, you need to remember that you were doing something right. And take that new information and just, you know, drop a little bit here, drop a little bit there. Um, you know, if, if you've taken a kettlebell uh, certification, you finished up your strong for a certification, you know, teach people, uh, do some, do some free workshops to just get your reps in, right. Just, just to help people. Um, if you finished your FMS certification, um, you don't have to screen everybody in the gym, but take all of your clients once a week through a deep squat to get your reps on that. And then maybe the next week, take them through an inline lunge. And then eventually you just get exposed to that. And, and again, regardless of what you're, what, courses you're taking, you do not need to overhaul your complete system. I mean, maybe you do. And if, you, if you're hurting people and you're never busy, that's maybe a, a different conversation, but um, you don't have to neglect everything that you've learned. But what you should do is you should slowly implement that new information and see how it goes. And then you can say, you know what, that worked really well. I'm going to start using that. Or you can say, you know what, that, that didn't go so well. Maybe I need to step back a little bit and spend a little bit more time, um, just, just ironing things out. And it's a, it's an art and a science. And, and we've talked about this time and time again, there is no manual on how to step-by-step, step, uh, train someone. There just is not, there are directions we can go based off of, you know, the park queue, their evaluation, their goals, et cetera, but it is an art and a science and you need to be able to pivot. Um, I can't stand that word after this whole pandemic thing. Um, but <laughs> you need to be able to, um, just be self-aware and, you know, understand that it's going to take time. But if you make a mistake and mistakes are awesome, as long as they're not, <laughs> they're so big that someone gets injured or, you know, a building burns down. But if you make a mistake, learn from that mistake as quickly as possible and make the changes. And if you make a mistake, try to fix it, make a mistake, try to fix it. And eventually, um, there'll be maybe less and less mistakes, but you're going to learn so much from those quote unquote failures. And you're going to learn from that struggle because 
you know, if, if you're always winning, guess what? You're, you're, you're not going to learn a whole heck of a lot, but when you start to fail and you, you go through those hard times, that's when you learn. Absolutely. So the, the, uh, harsh way to express that is a mistake made more than once is a choice. If you recognize that you're making a mistake, um, and you make the same mistake twice, that's kind of a choice because you, you saw and recognized a mistake and you chose not to do anything about it. And the same mistake happened again. So own it, find a way to not make that mistake again, learn from it to your point and, and move forward. And that, that should actually direct the information that you take in, you know, where are you making mistakes? Where are your, your clients or students not being successful? What are those things you need more information on? And it doesn't always have to be a certification or a workshop. There's tremendous materials out there. Um, some of the most impactful things to my um, leadership, training, professional development, you know, whatever you want to call it, have been uh, just good reading. You know, extreme ownership, dichotomy of leadership, uh, legacy, um, why we make mistakes, checklist manifesto. I'm currently listening to Think Again. Um, then I've got another book coming up on time management, something that as a workaholic, I uh, struggle with. Because, uh, And as soon as I open up that 25th hour of the day, I'm going to be way more effective at uh, everything that I'm trying to get done. Um, so just remember that part of this professional development is uh, just being a consumer of information and thinking. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be, you don't always have to have your head down in an exercise phys textbook, you know, expand beyond that look at, um, you know, I, I do follow people like, uh, Tim Ferriss and, and a couple of others. And, and, uh, one of the reasons I do that is book recommendations. You know, what, what are they reading? What are they looking at? Um, and, and I think there's, there's tremendous progress to be made there, um, and just understanding um, a variety of things. I was, I was on another podcast talking about this and, and, um, and, and your reading doesn't always have to be, quote, professional. It doesn't have to be self-improvement business books. I enjoy reading for reading's sake. And I've struggled with that over the last couple of years um, just because of the pandemic and the amount of screen time and writing and emails and things that I'm doing at the end of the day, putting my face in a book is just like, uh, I, I just, so audiobooks, which I previously could never focus on have become a thing because I can now, I can, I can listen and take in information uh, and not have to be on a screen and not have to be, I, I hate to you know, say eye fatigue and things like that, but God, you know, eight to 10 hours into a day of staring at a computer screen. Last thing I want to do at night is just sit down and read a book. But if I'm on an elliptical, yes, I use an elliptical. Um, it's a great time for an audiobook. Yeah. And, and, and I would say one thing about professional development is, is uh, more specifically applied to the fitness world. It's not just about courses and certifications that you take. There are so many different ways to understand professional development. If you're a personal trainer, you should learn about sales. If you're a personal trainer, you should learn about public speaking. What? Yeah. What? Funny, funny how that works, huh? <laughs> but people, what do people want? People want the guru 
that can make people magically do this and that, but there are so many things to learn outside of your industry that could be even more impactful than teaching another person how to squat slightly differently, right? Because that's important, but being able to communicate with people, being able to um, give them the elevator speech on what your training philosophy is. Um, there's so much to learn um, within whatever your industry is, but you can borrow from other industries. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't do enough of. They think I need to, you know, we look at the, the big names in the industry, right? We look at guys like, you know, uh, Greg Cook, Mike Boyle, um, Cressy, all those big names, the guys that everybody in the world knows about. Um, I guarantee if you sit them down, they're not sitting there studying exercise fizz all the time and learning more about the Krebs cycle. They're finding different ways to make their businesses and potentially their communication a little bit better. Um, and those are the things that I think people neglect more specifically how to talk to people and how to present. And when I say present, I'm not saying you have to learn how to get in front of a crowd and talk. I've done that. Brett has done that way more than I have. I'm talking about when you stand in to in front of a group of three to five people, you are presenting the way that you speak, your mannerisms, the, the words that you use are going to have an impact on those individuals. So public speaking is not just about getting in front of people and talking about doing your, your TED talk, right? It's about commanding the room and being able to communicate the information in an efficient fashion. So those people, they get it and they want to spend more time with you. And that's really what it's all about, right? It's, it's about spending time. Because if you look at what you're doing with someone in personal training, you're spending an hour with them. And if they don't like you, guess what? There, it doesn't matter how well you can teach them to do a get up or how quickly you can clean up their squat or deadlift. If they think that you're obnoxious or that you're rude or that you're overly cocky or just not a good person, guess what? You're not going to have that many clients. Absolutely. And uh, to, to circle back on the business aspect for just a second, uh, one of the shows that I enjoy is uh, Restaurant Impossible with Robert Irvine. Uh, I I watch Food Network now more than almost any other channel on, on my uh, cable service. And uh, it is amazing the number of restaurant owners that he goes into. They don't know how to cost out a plate of food. They don't know what their P&L is. They don't know what their overhead is. They don't know what their costs are. Um, and he very quickly you know, schools them up on this. And it is amazing the difference that it makes. Who knew uh, that numbers were important? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he really, uh, he, he shines a light on this very quickly because most business, most of these types of businesses fail because they're just not controlling cost. Um, and so from a, from a personal training standpoint, if, and whether you're running your own personal training business where you're, you, you're not an employee of anybody else, you need to understand what that means from a subcontractor standpoint. If you are an employee of somebody else, you need to understand what that means. If you're the owner of the business, then you need to understand your rent, your overhead, your insurance, your, you know, there's all kinds of costs and tax in, uh, implications and things like that. There's all kinds of ways to run your business better, to market your business better. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, there's reasons that people get four-year degrees in business and MBAs in business and write many books on business. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to be learned. And for fitness folks, you can be the greatest personal trainer in the world. You can know more about exercise physiology and anatomy and, and, and training principles than anybody else on the planet. And you will still fail because you didn't know there was a tax law. <laughs> that you needed to be paying attention to and you get closed down. Like you need, 
if you're going into business in this, you need to understand the business. Yeah. And, and, and something you said earlier, and and I'm going to sort of go back to that is regardless of what you attain, whether it's a certification, a course completion, or a degree, it's a starting point. If you go get your bachelor's in exercise phase, it doesn't mean you know how to train people. I'm sorry. If you get a master's in business, but you've never worked in business, it doesn't mean a damn thing. It means you know how to pass grades in school, right? So don't think that because you've completed something, it automatically makes you a professional at that. And that's going to probably piss off a lot of people, but that's just the reality of it. Um, I know people that have grown businesses to multi-million dollar businesses that don't even, that don't even have a college degree. Right. And there's nothing wrong with it. We're not going to get into that talk at the same token. I know people that, um, that, uh, have just put in the work and, and, and time and have done very, very amazing things without any formal education. But I also know people that have a ton of formal education that have the experience as well. I have a client that works for MIT. I mean, they probably wouldn't even let me in the door. I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even get in there and clean the floors. So, but my point is, is that um, just because you complete something, it doesn't mean you're finished. And I think that's what we see a lot of the time. We see people, they, they get all these degrees and like, it looks cool on paper, right? Um, but I'll tell you, I'll be honest, if I see someone's name and I see 27 letters after their name, to me, it's a turnoff because maybe they're just collecting certs, but they maybe not, they, they probably don't know a damn thing about it. I would rather see someone that takes the time to learn a specific system or modality from a principal standpoint. I'm not talking about the fancy tricks. I'm talking about the principles behind that. Those are the people that are going to be way more impactful um, with their clients because they have the experience they've done it. And again, we can't, I can't emphasize this enough. You cannot, uh, there's no supplement for uh, just getting in there and just doing it. And, and again, you can take all the courses and you can take all the certifications, but it doesn't mean anything. And, um, it's a starting point. So just remember, it's always just the starting point. Um, and that's okay because here's the cool thing. It's a starting point. You have so much to learn. There is an infinite amount of wisdom, especially now with the internet, like literally there is so much free information out there that if you don't, you don't have to sit there and and spend all this money on stuff you can, and there's nothing wrong with that. But man, if you take the time, you can learn pretty much anything you want free but you have to be able to wade through the information and make sure it's not BS because that's the other sort of danger of social media is you don't know what you're getting. There's no, there's no regulations on anything. Anybody can say anything. You got to have a filter. You yeah. got to have a filter and, and, you know, specific to this medium to podcasting, like take your pick. Like uh, there's a bunch of different podcasts that you can follow. Some of them provide fantastic information. Some of them not so much. Um, but you know, there's, there's just everything available, but to the point of having that filter, um, actually one of the things I look for, my, my wife and I actually were talking about this yesterday based off of some Facebook posts and things like that. Um, when somebody presents an idea in an overly complicated fashion, um, I'm turned off. I I don't want to go here anymore because I certainly abide by the Einstein, uh, quote, that if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. Um, I, I think one of the reasons that I've been successful over the years is I do have the ability to explain things simply. Uh, and maybe that's just cause I only understand them simply, but I am able to provide that information in a pretty accessible and, and simple manner. And so one of the filters that I have up is uh, to 
uh, to look at how that information is being presented. And if it's overly complex, um, I think there's a reason that it's overly complex. But some people look at complexity and something that they don't quote understand. They're like, oh, this must be some, you know, some secret knowledge that I must now go accumulate. And then you peel the, you peel the veneer back and it's not much under the veneer. So, you know, have, have your filters up, you know, be, uh, and this is the challenge that I've laid out for people as, as we bring this maybe full circle. Um, the challenge I've laid out to a lot of people over the years is to go take a certification or workshop in something that you disagree with. Go get education in something that you don't like, that you don't think is effective, that you don't think people should be doing. Go learn that because typically what you're going to find is there's a lot of things you agree on. There's a few things that you don't think are applicable. And even if you just learn what not to do, you've still learned something very valuable. And we tend to stay within our own bubbles. We tend to want confirmation bias, whatever tag you want to put on it. We want to keep uh, pulling in information that validates us, that, that works within our biases, that, that keeps uh, stroking our, our egos. Um, we, we have trouble stepping out of our bubble and taking information in on something that we don't agree with. Um, do that a little bit. And uh, I, I think that's going to that's gonna move you forward a lot as well. Absolutely. Um, in, in the course that Eric Gotti and I have put together principles of program design, we talk about the safety in our silos. And one of the, uh, one of the things we do in our, in our live courses, we, um, you know, we, we use the kettlebells as an example, obviously, you know, I know my stuff, but you know, we'll say I'm, I'm a kettlebell guy. I love kettlebells. How many of you out there hate kettlebells or think they're foolish or dumb. And then someone will raise their hand and we have a discussion about it. And then nine times out of 10, we agree on a lot of stuff because we've actually had a face-to-face -face conversation, not over the keyboard. Right. But here's the cool thing. Like you can learn again, perfect example. You learn why they don't like something um, that you like, and that's okay because we have to learn how to disagree without calling names and getting, um, you know, frustrated with, with one another. And, and, and in a world of social media, that's a, a little bit easier. Uh, it's, it's not as easy as, as we would hopefully think it should be, but you said something earlier and I, I want to dig a little bit deeper on that. Um, before we sort of get to the end of the podcast is you, you talked about making things as simple as possible. Um, I think the sweet spot is, is when you have, a a lot of knowledge and you can take that information and make it simple. That's when you have ownership, but here's the cool thing. You can take that information and, and teach it in a simple fashion, but you do have the ability to go down rabbit holes when necessary, but don't start with the rabbit hole. Don't start with the overly complex stuff because it won't work because it's going to be really hard to get to that simple part. If you're starting in that rabbit hole, because then you're going to have to dig yourself up and, but it's okay. And uh, like I use, uh, I always talk about, you know, I use Eric Cressy in his example. Eric is a brilliant guy, great coach, but he works with professional baseball players and he has to take care of their arms and their throwing shoulders. And he needs to go down the rabbit holes because these arms are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay. So that information about what Eric does is super important to his population and his demographic, but for the individual that's coming into your gym that wants to lose five pounds, I don't think you have to do a one hour assessment on their shoulder if they're coming in without any shoulder issues at all. Right. So 
having the ability to go down a rabbit hole is awesome, but don't start at the rabbit hole because you are just going to chase your tail and then nothing's going to get done. And then you're going to be one of those coaches that the first 30 minutes of every session is corrective. It's positional. This it's this, and this it's this, it's trying to improve this. It's like, you've never actually trained. You've just done a bunch of cool drills that you think are going to fix people. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, the more complex your training is the probably the weaker you are. And, and I hate to say it, but that's just kind of how it is. If you're doing 37 exercises on one leg and you're making it look fancy and you're using these big words, you probably can't do a push up, right? Because you're so concerned about, well, dude, your, your right scapula is a little bit winging. We need to clean that up. No, you don't. You don't need to clean that up. Right. And, and then, you know, on the other end is there's the people that's like, you don't have to do anything, just lift. And it's like, oh, gosh just be somewhere in the middle, but, you know, make it simple. Um, anytime you learn something, make those, take the application and make it incremental. Just, just take a step-by-step approach, teach it. Um, what, what is that? A, I think Dan John uses it. It's a plan the hunt, do the hunt, talk about the hunt. It's like a, it's an analogy that he uses and, uh, it's probably from, from a book, but basically plan on what you're going to do, do what you're going to do and then review it after. And that's what you should constantly be doing and learn from it and, and use that sort of idea of, um, sort of that cyclical learning where you're always analyzing and, 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 uh, seeing if it works because listen, um, you gotta be able to step back and see if it was effective or not. And guess what? You're going to do things that, that aren't effective sometimes. And that's just the reality of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we originally started on (laughs) this being a, what do you do after a certification talk? But I'm, I'm actually glad it went, I'm glad it went in, in, in this direction, because I think we hit some key points here about, you know, it's, it's, you have to understand the journey and you have to understand that it is a process and guys, after all, it's just a journey. It's a never ending journey and a never ending process. You're never there. So you might as well keep learning, keep trying to improve and, and learn from other people. Um, and then eventually um, you'll be successful and, and whatever success means to you, it could be financial. It could be um, whatever success means to you. We're not going to get into that, that conversation, but um, I think if you just take your time and you are self-aware and you constantly try to get a little bit better with each decision, with each client, um, you're going to get to the point where you're going to be helping a lot of people. And, and listen, that's what personal training is really all about is trying to help as many people as possible. And if you can make a decent living along the way, that's pretty awesome as well. Definitely. And, uh, just, just to key in on that, that concept of professional development never ends, you know, you're, you're never there you're here and you want to get there, but uh, once you get there, there's another there. And so you're just from here to there on an ongoing process and you, you want to keep learning and it'll, it, you'll, you'll diverge, you'll take left turns. And, you know, I, I spent a while kind of reading and, and diving down some of the neurological uh, rabbit holes and pain rabbit holes and things like that. Um, great information. Um, and, you know, but yet again, I've, I've gone down the professional development uh, sort of uh, perspectives and rabbit holes and, and just, it's an ongoing never ending process. So what's next? is what's next. You know, I did this, the mantra maybe for my life is identify the next step and take the next step. And that applies to a lot of areas in life. I've, I, I remember seeing that text several times. <laughs> <laughs>
probably if, if I were to search in my phone, take the next step, I'd probably see a bunch of conversations pop up with your name in it. But um, anyways, yes. uh, hey, Brett, I think we covered some good stuff today, even though it wasn't the initial plan. But, um, you know, I think it's important to, to talk about the the intricacies of, of training and, and, the, and the process. And it, again, it's always a process. And um, you and I have done uh, some cool stuff and we've had the opportunity to do some cool things in our um, in our industry and in our, our, our own lives. But we're still working on stuff, guys. We're still work. Look at, I mean, the podcast, right? Brett's working on projects. I've got other projects. It's a never ending thing. So um, put your head down, do the work, review your work, learn from your mistakes, and uh, you're going you're gonna to be doing all right. So um, listen, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor and leave us a positive review on whatever platform you are listening. And again, if you found this interesting, share this with your friends, family, and colleagues. So once again, we appreciate you all and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.